When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who think avoiding contractions such as I'm or don't makes them sound royal. I'm Hannah Leach. <laughs> and I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the age-old question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2009's Princess Protection Program. Once upon a time, there were two very different girls, a princess from a small kingdom and a girl from a small town. But when fate brings them together... I had to bring her here. The director didn't give me a choice. A normal dad would go to a foreign country on a secret mission and bring his daughter back a T-shirt, not a person. They've got to team up to help this would-be queen pass for a regular teen. What'll it be? Bowling, please. There's a shock. Find out what happens when royalty... You're supposed to be blending in. I am blending. ...meets reality. Hi, Audrey. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Okay, you know what I've noticed? I always say hi, Audrey, and you always say hi, and you never say my name. I know. It's so uh, rude. Do you want me yeah, to? Yeah, I want you to dress, call me by my name. Hi, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Feels weirdly formal to me. Well, we're opening a podcast, so there is some structure and formality to it. Is there not? Hola. Hannah, como estas? That's very true to the spirit of this movie today. Oh, true. <laughs> the theme has already begun to emerge, even in our intro. We really hope that you enjoyed last week's episode, our collab with Good Children. Um, I still can't believe that even happened because we're such huge fans of them. But, you know, got into a classic. Make sure to listen to their podcast if you don't already. And we love them. So thank you to Joe and Andrew again for having joined us. Yes. Also, we have a couple little reviews that we want to read. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, another podcast reading reviews at the beginning. Here's the thing, though. We want you to write us a review. So this is your gentle reminder <laughs> to write us a review. If you write us a review, we'll stop reading them. <laughs> or meaning uh, we won't read them on the podcast because we will have had enough right. reviews to not We, we don't have to that. be gently prodding everyone to write a review. Unless it's like a, whatever, unless you want to hear your review. If the people want to hear it, then we will give it to the people. However, yes. it remains to be seen. <laughs> okay, Audrey, do you want to read this first one? Yes. Yeah, so the first one comes from Maddie and the little title subject line is so much fun. <laughs> and she said, my dad 
read about this podcast and recommended it to me because I'm in the exact age group for this podcast. I'm so glad he did. It's a ton of fun listening to discourse about the movies that shaped me. Really loving it. Which leads me to wonder, where where could somebody have read about right. it? I don't I know. I think that it must have been something from Evergreen. Um, thank you, Maddie, though. Thank you so much for this kind review. Okay, our next one. Title underrated. I have to agree. <laughs> and this is how <laughs> the review goes. A great retrospective look into the films that shaped a generation, for better or for worse. They bring the research and objective facts to contextualize the films that makes you appreciate aspects of the films more. They also bring great personalities and the sister dynamic compounds <laughs> to the movie's nostalgic factor. Love this podcast so much. Keep doing y'all's thing. Written by The Groping Grape. <laughs> um, this is such a good review. Thank you so much. And I'm really curious where The Groping Grape came from. So The Groping Grape, if you're yeah. out there, please slide into our DMs because are you The Groping Grape? Or do you call someone else The Groping Grape? Like, I'm really curious. What's your name? We know your name, not your story. <laughs> exactly. So please let us know your story. Yeah. And then our last one is from Lindsay Powell, and the title is The Nostalgia is Real. These girls put in the work. <laughs> Not only do they share their love for these movies, but they bring the facts to every episode. They list everything there is to know and love about these movies, and I'm obsessed. Highly recommend. Thank you, our lovely reviewers. And again, please leave us a review if you haven't yet. Um, okay, hot take of the week. I had an idea that I told you about. Right. Okay. So I had an idea um, to do a song versus song because guess what? That's just all we're doing now, apparently. Yeah. Disney Channel collab songs. There are two main ones that I can think of, but there are more than two. One being A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, <laughs> starring like every... Disney Channel star from our, like, our true childhood. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Like, 06, 07 Younger, earlier than that. Earlier than that. Yeah, maybe, like, 05, something like that. Um, It's got, because it's got Raven. It's got Annalise Vanderpool. It's got It has the Sprouse twins, like, talk singing in unison. Um, and then that one versus Send It On, which was in the Selena, Demi, Miley, Jonas Brothers yeah. era. And that one is about, like, saving the Earth, Yeah, it's like Earth Day. Like, I don't know if it's literally Earth Day, but I think it was. Yeah. Here's my thing. As we will get into in this episode, I'm not really a passionate Disney Channel consumer. Like, I was kind of old for it when we finally found it. Uh, you were also just like alt. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, like, um, 
that came up in the High School Musical episode. Like, I'm not a huge Disney Channel girl. Um, yeah. Which is heavily ironic now. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm a poser. I'm going to say A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes just because I'm a hater of most of the people in, well, at the time I was a hater of the people in Send It On. But the song is pretty catchy. And you still are. <laughs> You still are. <laughs> I'm not a hater of the Jonas Brothers or... That's just because you don't know them at all. <laughs> I feel like my holding out against Miley is controversial, but like, why is everyone just like pretending not to see bangers? Have you ever listened to that whole album? <laughs> I had never, I had never listened to it in in earnest. And then um, the drag queen Alaska, yeah. Thunderfuck, had a show because she does these pop star shows at $3 bill, which is near my apartment. And um, she did one for bangers and I went and it honestly sparked (laughs) a real interest in that album because there are so many songs on it that had, they weren't singles and they weren't, they didn't like make it to the mainstream really. And it's, honestly worth giving I like the one the one that's like high on perp with my shades on that one and that one is atrocious from like a white girl perspective right Uh, but the album as a whole I kind of have to respect it I just don't I just like don't give a shit I just feel like I mean is it not true that like a lot of white pop stars have like their low-key blackface phase and then they move on to whatever they actually want to do. Like, that just makes me cringe. I mean, like, Ariana is the same way. Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is cringy. It is. But I still think that there's a lot of... me. I I can pick out, like, one or two songs from every era that she's had that I really, really like. I'm happy for you. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, but I would still pick A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. (laughs) over send it on because who doesn't want to hear really awkward singing (laughs) a dream is a wish your heart makes wins no contest with with us i just like send it on is way more of like a a original song ballad moment yeah but i also and this is gonna come up later in the episode i feel like that song was really banking on the like weird narrative of them all being best friends um, yeah. which they were so into, but it was like, it always felt a little forced. Yes. And we will get into that for sure in this episode. But okay, let's get into the facts because we have much to discuss here. So the Princess Protection Program was, uh, it premiered on Disney Channel on May 20th, 2009. It was not rated, but I'm guessing it would be like Y7 if it had been rated. It was directed by Allison Liddy Brown, who has directed a bunch of episodes of all the following. Friday Night Lights, Heartbreak, The Passage, Grey's Anatomy, one episode of L Word Generation Q, a bunch of Scandal, Parenthood, etc. Um, if anyone has watched L Word or L Word Generation Q, you should join our Discord so we can talk about it on the gay thread because <laughs> I really love the L Word. Okay, the screenplay was written by Annie DeYoung, who also wrote Johnny Coppahala back on board and returned to Halloween Town for Disney. 
And then there's another person with a story credit named David Morgison, who had story credits for Son of the Beach. I don't know what that is. And Nightstand. And of course, this movie was produced by and for Disney Channel. This was a pretty central project for them, probably, considering that they had like two of their most bankable stars in it at a time when they were really at their peak of relevance for Disney. Um, So, yeah. Okay, here are the synopses. The first one is from IMDb, and it is a princess whose country has been invaded goes into hiding in Louisiana where she has to learn to act like an ordinary teenager. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, The second one is from Rotten Tomatoes. After a military takeover, a princess, Debbie Lovato, (laughs) assumes a new identity and stays with a covert agent and his daughter, Selena Gomez. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, from Letterboxd, When an evil dictator threatens to take over the kingdom, Princess Rosalinda gets put into the Princess Protection Program. She is taken under the wing of General Joe Mason, an agent from the agency, (laughs) and his daughter, Carter, who works after school at a nearby bait shop. Rosalinda goes undercover as a regular teen named Rosie with the help of Carter. In turn, Rosalinda helps Carter overcome insecurities with herself and her crush on Donnie, who also likes her but can't tell or get shy. (laughs) (laughs) Writing really fell off the ledge there at the end, but you get the point, basically. Um, And we have one tagline. One tagline, royalty meets reality. Boo. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about this cast. Of course, we have Demi Lovato as Rosalina. Rosalinda. Oh, fuck. It's Demi Lovato, how you know who they are, but they are best known for having been in Camp Rock, Sunny with a Chance, obviously Princess Protection Program, and they were also in Grey's Anatomy, who knew, but- Glee. Are they in Glee? (laughs) Way later. Okay. Way later. I'm like on episode 16 of season one right now, everyone. Um, I'm on the episode where Jane Lynch's tape of her dancing to physical- leaks and i just watched matthew morrison Mm -hmm. do ice ice baby and it was really bad i hate it when he does anything musical it's a classic um also i just watched Kristen chenoweth sing home from the whiz which was literally a crime to watch like that is like how are you gonna have amber riley right there and then have Kristen chenoweth sing that it's yeah you're not ready for the guest stars to come. I'm excited. You're I'm not excited. Ready. I also think it's really <laughs> funny that Jonathan Groff is like immediately in it. I think that's so funny. Yeah. Um, and that they play like lovers. Right. They're just like, you got to <laughs> like, bring him so in. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, back to Demi Lovato. Um, they're really best known as a pop star. That's their main thing. Ha- they have an incredible voice. That's sort of been the main thing from the beginning. My favorite Demi Lovato song will always be Cool for the Summer, Closeted Bisexual Anthem. I love that song. I think it's so good. And also, okay, I forgot that they were in As the Bell Rings. Yeah. And of course, they were a child star on Barney, which will come up later because Selena was also on Barney as a kid. But okay, next person, we have Selena Gomez as Carter. Of course, best known, at least like at the time, as having been Alex Russo on Wizards of Waverly Place, a show I did not watch because she was such a bitch on that show and I didn't understand what the appeal was. Miley Cyrus was also a bitch on Hannah Montana, which I also hated. 
Anyway, maybe calling children a bitch is not my most classy yeah, like work choice, but <laughs> I did it and I'm not taking it back. So sorry, everyone. <laughs> anyway, Selena Gomez is best known for being in the following movies and projects. She was in Spring Breakers, a movie I love and haven't revisited in a really long time and it's probably aged badly, but um, can't wait to rewatch <laughs> I feel like I love it in the same way that like early Lana is lovable in like the trashy white girl way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I just, I don't hold it close to my heart at all like I do early Lana. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, Okay. Also Monte Carlo, A Rainy Day in New York, Boo, Only Murders in the Building, Ramona and Beezus was on Barney with Demi, obviously. And now she has this show, Selena and Chef. Yeah, it's like a cooking show <laughs> where she's just like, haha, I'm with a chef. And doesn't she have lupus? Yeah. Or she, yeah. I don't know shit about lupus. Remember, remember Francia gave her a kidney? Right, 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 right. Francia, oh, love. I love her so much. Okay. And again, that's Adrian on Secret Life of the American Teenager, which, by the way, that show has gotten totally chucked to the back burner because of Glee for me, which I know was your goal. It should never come yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad. It. It's really bad. Um, okay, next up we have Nicholas Braun as Ed. He was on Succession for a lot of it. Um, he was in How to Be. He, he is on Succession. It's still oh, happening. Right. I don't know shit about that. Shout out to that show. <laughs> That's, I love him on that show. Everybody does. Anyway, Succession, How to Be Single, Sky High, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, one singular episode of Secret Life of the American Teenager, and coincidentally, he was Ponytail Derek in Perks of Being Wallflower. Yeah. Now, next, we have Molly Hagen as the director, which I can only assume is like the Russian lady in charge of the Princess Protection Program. I remember her from like Phil of the Future or something. She was Emma Roberts' mom on Unfabulous. Unfabulous. Yeah, yeah that's Yeah, what it yeah, is. yeah. So that's really what we know her from. She is the mm-hmm. mom on Unfabulous. Um, but in addition to that, she is best known for having been in Walker, Sully, iZombie, Election, Herman's Head, and Jane the Virgin. Um, but to us, obviously, Unfabulous is the main thing. Okay, just two more people. We have Robert Adamson as Donnie, who was in 365 entire episodes of The Young and the Restless, Lincoln Heights, Hollywood Heights, and Dave. <laughs> Lastly, we have Jamie Chung as Chelsea. She is in Big Hero 6 and Big Hero 6 the series, Lovecraft Country, Sherwood, and was Mulan in Once Upon a Time, which I thought was funny. Okay, Audrey, numbers. Okay, so the budget was an estimated 400000 <laughs> It's pretty yeah. low. Uh, opening weekend, the film garnered 8.5 million viewers on its premiere, making Disney Channel the most watched network in the time slot with nearly double the viewers of CBS at the mm-hmm. time. Fuck CBS. Just kidding. <laughs> Um, the estimated domestic video sales, 14,347,765. That's amazing. Yeah. 
for them. And Disney Channel promoted the film's premiere weekend by offering never-before-seen episodes of their original series, Wizards of Waverly Place and Sunny with a Chance, as an online reward. If viewers could correctly count the number of times the words princess, princesses, and princesa are spoken during the film and enter the correct number into a section on their website. That's really funny because I noted how many times they were saying the word princess. I also noticed that. <laughs> I actually, I was like, why are they saying it so yeah, much? <laughs> it was honestly confusing when you're watching it. Like there's so many like yeah. literal and meta levels of princess going on. Okay, so critical and audience opinions. We had a critic score of 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know why there was a critic score on Rotten Tomatoes considering it wasn't a theatrical release, but whatever. Critic consensus there was not enough critic reviews to have a consensus. But here's just a little blurbs. While this original adventure comedy doesn't stray far from the usual promotional model, writer Annie DeYoung ultimately throws in a nice message for young girls about self-esteem. Next one. A perfectly serviceable... She? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a reach to me. Um, a perfectly serviceable preteen diversion boasting two highly talented stars, a digestible amount of adolescent drama, and a few snippets of principled behavior befitting royalty. And lastly, ultimately as silly and relentlessly lightweight as its myriad of made-for-the-Disney-channel brethren. But interestingly, the film won the 2009 Teen Choice Awards for Choice Summer Movie. Which, which to me, I'm like... Should the, it, it's not a summer it's movie. It's not a summer movie. And I'm like, is it the Tween Choice Awards or is it the Teen Choice Awards? Because. Well, it's really teen. True teenagers don't give a shit. Right. I feel like. Right. I agree. <laughs> okay. Audience moments. Okay. So there's a 60% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 2.9 star rating on Letterboxd. And again, with the Disney Channel movies, people are partly trolling with the five star ratings on Letterboxd. Um, audience opinions. Somebody on Rotten Tomatoes who gave it two stars said, this movie came out around the time when Disney Channel was really going downhill. It's like the writers have run out of ideas at this point. Seriously, can we at least have a TV kids movie that's not so formulaic like this one? Every decom is like this nowadays and it drives me crazy. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. True. Yeah. And then Rotten Tomatoes, three stars. I remember when I was young, loving Disney Channel original movies and eating Cool Ranch <laughs> Doritos doing so. This movie good, but not their best. <laughs> Wrong there. 0.5 stars on Rotten Tomatoes. What a waste of my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hannah notes huge eye roll here. Letterboxd, 3.5 star rating. They're lesbians. Correct. We, as we discussed in the Stuck in the Suburbs episode, you're reaching. <laughs> this is a reach. I don't know. That one's way less of a reach to me. Less of a reach than this movie, for yeah. sure. But still yeah. a reach. Um, Two-star rating... That shit was gay. <laughs> One star rating. I hate it, but dot, 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 nostalgia. Yeah. Okay, and now some tweets from recent-ish times. User at Put Me to Sleep. Press play on Princess Protection Program, and Selena was really delivering the performance of a lifetime. From Twitter user, I disagree, but it's fine. 
um, Audrey's like has like a sketchy look on her face. Like she's chewing that over and pondering. Yeah, I just, I mean, she wasn't bad. Look, but <laughs> like, never bad. Yeah, like she, I, I do think she's a good actor. Same. She's way better actor than singer. Anyway, um, a tweet from O.M. Gwyneth saying, watching Princess Protection Program with white wine, fruit, and a freezy grape air pop. Maybe life is not that bad. A tweet from at your dumb stalker, Princess Protection Program and a sandwich. I'm living the life. <laughs> so this is a choice movie for snacking is what I'm picking up on. And lastly, at Only Takes a Taste, Lord wrote royals after watching Princess Protection Program. Hashtag real. That's so dumb. Audrey's so <laughs> skeptical. Okay, so cultural context. We've talked about 2009. You know what the deal was. But as I was putting this together, I was like, oh, yeah. They were really into Selena and Demi being best friends. That was like a whole thing that Disney Channel hinged a lot of their shit on. And we got to start with the fact that the original song, One in the Same, was on the soundtrack for this movie. And... That song is really good. We're one in the same. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Great song. <laughs> like, really, really good song. Fun fact about One in the Same. It was written by Vitamin C, a.k.a. Colleen and Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Graduation Friends Forever. Um, yeah, that's a banger. It's such a good song. Okay, so I'm just going to uh, gently lead us through this timeline of the Selena and Demi friendship because I feel like it is just like worth it to have this in mind. So as of April 2020, Demi on record has said that they are no longer friends. They're not friends. It's, it's done. So as we said, they started on Barney together in the 90s and had been friends forever. But 2008 is when the infamous Selena and Demi vlogs started. If you remember, I'm pretty sure there was one of like Miley and her random friend that was supposed to be like making fun of Selena and Demi's vlogs. Um, yeah. Mandy. Miley and Mandy. Right. Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. Is that the friend she references in See You Again? No, she says Leslie. Damn it. <laughs> I bet Mandy was like, fuck my life. Okay, so vlogs from 2008. Camp Rock and Wizards of Waverly Place are super big in 2009. They're very public with their friendship, doing joint interviews, like loving the branding of themselves together. However, in 2010, things start to get a little tense. So while signing autographs in London, a fan asked Demi how Selena was doing. And Demi said, ask Taylor, referring to pop star Taylor Swift, who Gomez formed a close friendship with after they both dated Nick and Joe Jonas, respectively. Taylor Swift always finds a way to be in the middle of shit like this. Um, and I think that's really funny. So... After both of the relationships ended, the Nick Jonas and Joe Jonas relationships, Swift and Gomez remained friends. Um, in a 2009, Selena told Seventeen, every single problem I ever have is healable by Taylor Swift. So Demi's probably like steaming out in the distance because they are known to do that. Um, yeah, I get it. I honestly, I get Demi's perspective on this. Yeah. I feel like it would be genuinely infuriating to witness uh, your best friend being mm, basically stolen by Taylor Swift. Yeah, it would suck. And I think 
it would be hard not to be stolen by Taylor Swift were you in the position to be stolen by Taylor Swift. Totally. I kind of relate, I kind of get both of them in the situation. (laughs) And yeah, I think they're, they're all valid. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's like, how can you refuse the friendship and love of Taylor Swift? I don't, I I don't know. I think the force is like too strong to resist. Like, cause you would at least want to know what it's like. Yeah. So later that year, Demi is asked in an interview about Selena and they say, we're both busy. I wish the best of luck for her. And then later in an interview, seemingly directed towards Selena's friendship with Taylor, Lovato also added in the same interview, true friends don't let their friends or family be mean to you. If you can't trust somebody, you can't be friends with them. So... Demi's not having it. 2013, Selena and Demi are tweeting each other, supporting each other's music, but like clearly have grown apart. Also in 2013, Demi unfollows Selena on Twitter. And when asked about it, Selena says, I think it's just one of those things where people change and grow apart. And they're just kind of like vaguely posting about and at each other around this time. Now, fast forward to January 2018, Selena unfollows 279 people on Instagram, including Demi Lovato. And then in November 2018, Lovato unfollows Gomez on Instagram and a source said that they want to avoid any difficult relationships. Okay, and we're almost done here. In April 2020, fans accused Lovato of having a private Instagram account called Trauma Queen Forever that appeared to be full of anti-Gomez content. They suspected that the account was run by Lovato after they went live on Instagram from that handle. Um, And then, and I love that for them. Like, I love how messy they are. And then uh, last but not least, on September 12th, 2020, fans circulated purported screenshots of Max Erich, Lovato's then fiance, professing his love for Gomez via social media. It's like, they were like old, like older clips and tweets and stuff. And uh, Max claimed that they were fake. Also, I will say that when uh, Demi's documentary about their like sobriety journey came out, that Selena was posting about it, like, love this for you, like, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, they both have brands that are related to sobriety and kind of like that sort of thing. But with Selena, it, it comes off a lot more like authentic. Yeah. Than it does with Demi. Just, I think with Demi, it, it seems like a more active struggle because they're not afraid to make their business public in yeah. that regard. Yeah. Which is respectable in its own right. Yeah. For sure. But with Selena, I think, they, I don't know. They both have had a lot of struggles in their life. And I yeah. don't know. It is relevant to their brands now. Selena just seems to have a lot more self-control. Yeah. Not so much, like, not necessarily in terms of, like, substances or whatever, but in terms of, like... Publicly facing... Self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Selena seems to have really, like, strong boundaries. Yeah. That is not the case with Demi, but I, I do <laughs> no. love them, and I think they're super talented. Okay. So... I had never seen this movie until I watched it for this very occasion. Was that true of you? No, I had seen it, but I don't know when. Probably, like, roughly when it came out. And I didn't love it, so I didn't rewatch it. Yeah. But as I was watching it, 
what I remember more than anything with the movie is the music video for We're One and the Same that would play yeah. in the commercials. Yeah. So that's what I remember. And I I did like the song. I, I thought, I, you know, like when the music video would come on in the ad breaks on Disney Channel and it'd be like so fun. Yes. That's, that's how I remember it. Yeah. I mean, that song is so good and you can like actually hear the harmony in the choruses mm-hmm. and stuff. It's also just funny because Demi's part is like 5,000 times harder, but like it makes sense also. Yeah. Okay. So I watched this movie on Disney Plus. I'm sure you did the same. Um, and we'll be back after this break to talk about our thoughts on 2009's Princess Protection Program. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, we are back and it is time to talk about 2009's Princess Protection Program starring Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez. Okay, so right off the bat, I feel as though we should address, this movie is Aquamarine and Princess Diaries 2 blended together into one mediocre smoothie. How is it aquamarine? Because it's a it's a fish out of water situation. Like she shows up to this urban town and is like doing stupid things and not blending in. Oh. I said Princess and the Popper is more I think oh, Princess and the Popper also it is more similar because we've got this Preminger situation. I wrote that down too. Yeah, I think it's Princess and the Popper and Princess Diaries too more than it is aquamarine. I think it's equally aquamarine. Because, but it's, I don't want to give it that, I don't want to give it that even sort of air well, of the the anything. basic, but the basic, like, concept of aquamarine is not, like, that's a, that's a trope, like a fish out of water movie. It's a, yeah, but I think that there's enough movies that are fish out of water movies that aren't aquamarine that we shouldn't compare it to aquamarine. <laughs> Okay, let's make it Elf instead. Yeah, it's Elf. <laughs> let's make it Elf. Let's make it big instead. What do we think the de- the thinking was going into which person was going to play which part? Mm-hmm. Because... I, I wrote that down too. It could have easily been the other way. It could have easily yeah. been Selena as Princess Demi as Bait Girl or whatever. Um, <laughs> bait Girl. Why is it Bait? 
I, that is so I funny to me. But I kind of feel like they were almost because at the time Demi and Selena they're really not very different um in no. terms of who they are uh typecasted as not that not very different. And for some reason if you were to I feel like generally speaking if you were to typecast them into those two roles probably Selena would be the princess. But also, I don't know, because with Alex Russo, they definitely were trying to give her this thing of like a little bit of tomboy, but also really conventionally pretty. So it doesn't like, it doesn't necessarily work. Yeah, I feel like they really wanted to keep up the whole like shady not like other girls girl or like guys girl thing with her. For Selena, yeah. Yeah, and I think with Demi, they kind of had this like naivete thing that I think they wanted to lean into. They did. Yeah, Camp Rock had that. Why why was Demi always walking around just like smiling, like doing that like giant smile and being like, what's going on? I don't know where else I've seen this, but I know it's a thing where writers will try to make someone sound like dignified or or royal by like avoiding contractions. So like lots of Demi being like, I do not know what this homecoming is or like, Mm -hmm. I will not do it. Or, you know, just speaking in this like really like lazy, like shorthand for formal. Yeah. (laughs) Just by avoiding contractions. Yeah, totally. And it makes the character sound like an alien rather than. (laughs) And, and there is this whole thing going on in this movie of like really, really poorly done language barrier. (laughs) Yes. We are too. We know that princess Rosalinda is bilingual. Um, because literally, yeah, like, yes, but that's not even really coming off because the American accent is so present. And I was kind of surprised that they didn't work with her a little bit more on at least her, at least their Spanish. Um, because (laughs) the accent was really bad. Yeah. Um, it sounded like seventh grade speaking test to me. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I totally agree. But yeah, that entire thing, also the like the look and the the cheapness of the other country, like the way that it looked was really sending me. It kind of reminded me of um, Twitches. Do you remember Mm -hmm. how in Twitches um, their mother is like like in a castle type thing and it it really reminded me of twitches in that like cheap castle look yes yes Um, yes and how like much it looks like a cardboard wall (laughs) it just looks yeah it was very like soap opera or like high budget drama club set I hate I mean we've talked about this many times but Selena Gomez would never be unpopular unless well maybe she would It doesn't matter. I just, it's a little hard to buy for me. I recognize the mean girl in this movie so much, but I I don't know what she's in. But I know her. She's in a lot. Yeah, I know her from something. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Something I noticed. Why 
Demi Lovato's plots and all this Disney stuff, why is it always about being caught in a lie? (laughs) Yeah. Demi's always being caught in a lie in like everything that they're in. Well, at least in this one, they don't choose to lie. It is a lie that is put on them and that they have to do. Yeah, that's true. But there's just always like a call out scene. Like that's like always what happens to Demi's character. I will say that their acting kind of impressed me when they like fucked up at their job and then they were like, what's going on? And they were like so teary in their like cow baseball hat. I was like, these are kind of good tears. Yeah, I I think both of them are like pretty solid as actors, actually. Selena more so than Demi by yeah. a lot. But like for Disney Channel, when a lot of times you're just getting like caric- like caricature-esque performances. Yeah. It's hard to unlearn that, I feel like. And you can't really take that style into the movie as easily. The footage of the princess like isolated in like the North Pole or whatever. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> that was that was crazy. I was like, yeah, m- maybe not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole section, I was like, wait, why is the director Russian and why does this look like a Star Trek set? Yeah. It really like, looked like Star Trek. <laughs> the genre whiplash that that provided. Yes. Was Substantial. Um, am I... Did I make up that Selena's mom is dead in this movie? Like, do they ever acknowledge a mom? I don't think they do. I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, I don't even think they do. They might, and I just missed it somehow, but I don't think they mention her. Usually, yeah, usually when there's an absent mom, it'll be, I miss mom, or when mom died, or when mom left, or when mom blank, you know? Yeah. And... I don't think that was there. If it was, it was very no. subtle. Yeah, at the end when the like Selena and her dad reunited, I was like fully bracing for like your mother would be so proud. Yeah, <laughs> and it just never happened. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I didn't enjoy the writing choices that were made. Like when Demi first arrives to the house, and how they're kind of just sitting in the bedroom, like staring blankly I was like yes what and if a princess was in this situation I don't think they would be asking for like a silk dressing gown or some no. shit no <laughs> like no. You, you're not dumb <laughs> like you know what's yeah, well, going that's, on that's the part that's the part that re- I know you're gonna get mad again but that's the part that reminded me of aquamarine like the making weird demands for like things that she has at home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it works in Aquamarine because that's a mystical character. You know, it's like we don't, I can't imagine what a princess in this situation would act like. Yeah, I guess that's true. The prin- In Princess and the Popper, she doesn't even act like that. She's smarter in Princess and the Popper. <laughs> I'm... The logic behind this one is just thinner than usual. It's very thin. I also love the romanticization of texting in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like when Chelsea's like, we got a lot of texting to do. I was like, you know what? Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I have so much. That's when like texting was like an activity. Yeah. 
Like I'm going like, it was not a utility uh, to send a message. It was, I'm sending a message. Like, yes, yes. I really wish that I had like a cool phone. You did have a cool phone. What are you talking about? No, I'm saying currently. Oh, (laughs) yeah. We had a lot of phones. I miss the era when everybody had a different phone and it was like, yeah, what are people going to come in with next? Like, who's the next person to get the NV2? The LG Envy or the the Razor, the Razor, the Motorola, whatever. Um, The one I'll, I have just so many images that come to mind. All the different ways that the phones could slide open and turn. It was like a plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) At every unfolding of a cell phone. Yeah. When you had the the one that I was the most jealous of was that red one that you had that had a touch screen that slid open horizontally. Yep. I thought that was like, I remember like sitting in the car going somewhere or whatever and like watching you text probably Chris on that phone. Yeah. Yeah. And like being like, first of all, mad that you were texting so much. Like I did not appreciate how much you texted at the time. (laughs) It was constant. Well, the thing is, that's still how life is, but it's so like baked into our everyday existence now that no one notices. I remember being like like, mad and jealous about it. (laughs) Oh my God. That's a lot of negative feelings. Yeah. I loved that phone. It was awesome. I always felt so cool texting. Texting was such an art back then. My first cell phone came from dad's car. Do you remember that? Well, there was kind of there was the one that we shared that was the pink one. Yeah. And then um, when I had my own first phone, it was really just for the purpose of if you need to call us, basically like it, it. I wasn't supposed to be using it very much. Yeah. It was this Motorola phone that was not cute. It was like a flip cell phone. I remember it. Yeah. I covered it in flower stickers to try to like (laughs) counteract um, the ugliness of the phone. But it came because, you know, people used to have car phones, like car cell phones. Barely? Yeah. I don't remember that really. Like before everybody had a cell phone that they would carry on them at all times, you might have a car phone. And that's what that was. It like plugs into the car. Anyway, I thought that the depiction of a political coup was extremely (laughs) underdone. Basically, that shot of, like, throwing a knife was so funny. That was, like, the the best and... That was the first and best thing about it. Yeah. Or a sword, I should say. Not really a knife. Um, (laughs) Knife. It's like a kitchen knife, like, flying across the room. Yeah. And, like, the sense of urgency was not there. Like, she almost just got stabbed in the head. And um, when they're running down the stairs, they're not even running. Like, she's, like... I know. She's, like, kind of moving, but she's not moving very fast. She's, like, struggling with this hoop skirt. (laughs) And I'm, like... And there's not enough lining in that hoop skirt to make it look legit. It looks like party princess, low-budget party princess. Yeah, this low-budge moment... I I can't. (laughs) But I will say that 
the level of homosexuality and marriage for political purposes and not because of like creepiness contained in the villain in this movie is very Preminger-esque, as we said. Yeah. Um, and pretty entertaining. Yeah. I, I, it's a trope that I, I kind of love. I'm just surprised that they never like made a bigger deal of the fact that like Demi doesn't have a dad and Selena doesn't have a mom. This could have been Parent Trap. It could <laughs> kind. Well, they tried to make it Parent Trap at the end, kind of <laughs> it with the switching been. at least. The only problematic thing that I had written down, there's actually really only one of them is problematic, but one of them is just more of a question. The first one is. We made it so far without any kind of weight jokes and we had to do the random throwaway carbs joke. I was just like, classic. We're so close to having made it through. Yeah. And then my other question is, okay, and this is not problematic. It's just weird. When Selena is like in her dress for the dance and she like reveals to her dad and she's like, what do you think? And he's like, I think I might have to stop calling you pal. I was like, why? What huh? are you insinuating? What is this usage of pal that you're using? Like, what does that mean? Is is being femme and being called pal, uh, <laughs> can you not have both? You like, can't have both, apparently. Mutually exclusive. That's the phrase <laughs> I was looking for, I guess. Okay, I have a couple questions for you. Who really is Eddie? As the resident expert on princess fiction. Like, who is he? Uh, I don't know. Wait, who are you talking about? He's the one who, like, puts the bowling shoes on oh. Demi. Yeah. Is he just, like, Selena's friend? Like, who is he? Mm-hmm. You think You think that they're giving him the secret Prince Charming edit? Yeah. Um, like, she has a crush on... D- jock guy he turns right. out to be a jerk eddie's there to save the day right but that doesn't really happen okay at the end when they like randomly have a whole group of friends to wear masks i was like where did they come from <laughs> like did they have other friends the whole time like who are these bitches that is something i can't explain <laughs> i was I very confused by that also, one of my favorite moments is when the popular girl at the end is like freaking out and wanting the crown and she like goes to grab it off Demi's head and is just like, no, and then falls into a pool that for some reason is there. It's a Megan Fox confessions. Yes. It's a slight Cecilia Aquamarine. It's, I need to watch Aquamarine again. <laughs> like it's now. It's slight Sarah Paxton, Sydney White. Yes. Public humiliation. Yeah. Honestly, I don't have much more to say about this movie. Honestly, I don't either. I just don't. (laughs) It's like not good. It feels more like a product and less like a movie than most of their decoms. I mean, then again, I, I have to wonder how much of this is based off of our having grown out of it around this time. Remember in the New York Minute episode when I was talking about how this is not what we want to be seeing these girls do? This is not what we want to be seeing these (laughs) girls do. Their chemistry is pretty weak. 
I agree. As friends, it's like we wanted it to be good because we know that they have this long history as friends, but it's actually not. Um, Also, it's like, how (laughs) non-toxic are we assuming that that friendship was even when it was okay? I mean, they're like competitors for the same stuff. You know, just because you've known someone for a long time doesn't mean you're compatible. Like, as no. best friends at all. No. Because they were both, like, very much on the come up at the same time. Yeah, so, like, that had to be fun. Yeah, well, they probably also felt, like, less vulnerable as a unit than as individuals. Yeah, and they went through, like, they there was only, like, ten people that they could talk to who were going through the same thing at the same time. Right, It kind of reminds me of, like, the conversations we've had with Tina Majorino, Mm -hmm. like, talking about being a child star and feeling really isolated. I feel like maybe their attempts at being so unified was, like, them trying to resist, like, the pull of, like, isolation that, like, being a child star can give you. Yeah. Also, this is pure speculation, but I feel like Demi would be really hard to be best friends with. Me too. (laughs) Like, I've always thought that (laughs) they just are really intense. Yeah. Like, you got to be ready for a wild ride and you got to be like flexible. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're someone who seemingly has good boundaries, like that, of course, is going to piss someone off. Yeah. Like Demi. Yeah. They want somebody who they can like really mold. I feel like (laughs) they want somebody that they can. And that's not, you know. That's not a diss to Demi's friends or whatever, but like right. they have to be willing to kind of undergo that. I, I don't know. It's well, an assumption, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're obviously assuming a lot, but like, I don't know, especially when you're that young and if you have a friend who's manipulative, like that can be really traumatic and you have to learn to set your boundaries that way. Yeah. And when I've watched the Demi content more recently, the two doc or was there only one there? Whatever the docs were. Yeah. The interviews with the friends. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> these people. I haven't have, watched it in a long time. These people have been through it and they yeah. seem, you know, they're more they're probably more like family than they are friends. It's like yeah. that type of friend where it's yeah. like no matter what yeah. happens, like they're going to be there, which is like the perfect type of friend for somebody like yeah well and also probably the type of person who can be like shut up um okay is this movie good no no is it worth watching no watch princess diaries too (laughs) i feel like it's worth watching if you were a big fan of demi or selena but if you're not it's very much not worth it yeah no i think you can watch other movies and get a better example of this plot line than this movie because it's not it. Yes, I agree. So that's it. That's it. Sorry to the stands out there, but we did it. We watched it and we made it. Um, Reminder that we still have our um, stuff on sale in the store. So if you want to pick up something cute, um, we still have hot deals going on. So make sure to check that out. So as usual, you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, literally every social media platform ever invented <laughs> at Sleepover Cinema. And we post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. Yes, Facebook. Why? I don't know. 
purely <laughs> because I've been doing it since season one and now I feel like I can't stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you can follow me, Audrey, at Audrey Anna Leach on everything. And you can follow <laughs> me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on everything. Ray is spelled R-A-E. If that yeah. helps. I literally um, wa- I literally want to take my middle name out of my handle, but I can't because of you. <laughs> no, we're, we, we've committed too much to the brand synergy for us, to, for you to be able to take it out. Well, one t- do you remember when I did take it out and then you got mad? <laughs> Was I like, bitch, what are you doing? People, my I feel like my name, Hannah Leach, is like really boring. So I put Hannah Ray Leach on everything and people in Cleveland like... Like when they were in my play or like whatever, they're like, oh yeah, I was in like Hannah Ray Leach's bedroom culture. <laughs> and I'm just yeah, like, see, eat it up. <laughs> nobody does that. Cause I think, I think that does make sense for you. Hannah Ray Leach is a lot more fun, but I feel like Anna almost brings me down. Like I yeah, feel well, like. That's cause you have a good first name and mine is yeah, so generic. Like I need to change, like it's, I think Hannah Ray is stronger than Audrey Anna. Yeah. But we'll take that up with our parents. Yeah, seriously. I have to petition them. Okay. So anyway, you can join us on our Discord server at the link in the episode description, or it's also linked on evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema. Again, we love our Discord server. We would love to have you there. You can check out our merch as we have already mentioned at twopingpictures.com slash shop. It's on sale and a few people have made purchases. And we love that. Yeah. And again, as we were begging you at the beginning of this recording, um, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so nice and so affirming and it helps the show grow. So thank you in advance. Um, We appreciate you. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. And our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. We will see you next week. (laughs) Bye. To your paradise Don't be scared Cause I'm your party type Just so okay. <laughs> We wanna try. Can you hear me? Yes Okay Okay go Hi I'm Christina Yerling Biro Host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.